0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of Steelers Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you on Thursday morning. And we are here. We have made it. This is the place we were looking for. Well, I don't know about the place, but it is the time we're looking for. The Pittsburgh Steelers have started 2022 training camp. Now, whether you call the offseason over yet or not, um, if you call the preseason its own thing, uh, some people say it's not the off-season until the season starts. You know, the off season's not over until then. To me, it's, there's the distinction. You've got the off-season because there's no stuff going on other than, you know, the most exciting thing is probably minicamp. Um, other than, of course, you know, the draft and free agency. But I mean on-field, the most exciting thing. Of course, the exciting stuff is the off-field stuff. That's what makes it the off-season. Then you have what I would call going back to training camp. That To me, that's the preseason. The preseason is rolling, and then you roll into the regular season. So with people that could just call it the season versus the off season, they might feel like eh, it's still not the season yet. But to me, man, the Steelers, they are on the field. They have already had one practice on Wednesday. And we've heard some things from practice going on there. They reported on Tuesday. Didn't see anything big, fancy, or spectacular with everyone reporting there was the announcement of Minka Fitzpatrick going on the non-football injury list and Tyson Alualu going on the physically unable to perform list. Now, I explained this on the Scobro show, but I'll I'll give it here real quick. The pup list, the physically unable to perform, like Tyson Alualu, it is very different in the preseason than it is the regular season. Well, you can't get on it the list in the regular season unless you were on it all through the preseason once a player isn't on pup they can't go on pup for the year end of story now if a player is on the pup list throughout the entire preseason and then the regular season rolls around 53 man roster and they're put on the pup list then there's a problem because then they have to wait so long before they can come off the list uh, I should have checked this again. I know I'm trying. I I was thinking it was eight weeks, but it might only be six weeks um, until they can come off that list. It's much like how it used to be with IR um, when a player had to wait that long before they could come back from IR, and it used to be they couldn't even come back at all. Any player put on IR right now, they're done for the season because in order to be able to come back from IR, you've got to spend at least one day on the 53-man roster. Teams cannot do that until. The, the, that time, which I'm pretty sure is August 31st. It's either August 30th. It's that Tuesday. So that would be August, no, August 30th. Okay. Sorry. August 30th is when the, the, the uh, NFL teams have to get down to a 53 man roster. So those are other things that we'll worry about themselves later. Um, lots of players started on the pup lists across the NFL, uh, lots of announcements coming out over the last week with these players. Uh, so it's not that big of a deal. Megan Fitzpatrick, he's dealing with a sore wrist from falling off his bike on vacation. Don't know the extent of that. He was doing some workout stuff on Wednesday. So... Probably isn't that bad. Now, with Tyson Aloala, it is not the ankle that he hurt last year. It's the it's a knee that swallowed up on him, mainly because Coach Tallman said he was overtraining in order to come back from the ankle was part of his problem. What I find interesting is is it the same knee or is it the opposite knee of the ankle? Don't know. Uh, maybe that information's out there, but I wasn't able to find it. So that's just some of the stuff going on. Deontay Johnson didn't participate in team activities, um, was doing drill work. I mean, he did some walkthrough stuff, I-, I believe, but not when they were actually out there, offense versus defense. Uh, I I hope uh, – T.J. Watt did this last year. I would have seen Micah Fitzpatrick doing it this year, perhaps, if they wouldn't have already worked out their deal. To me, Deontay Johnson is not on that level. I don't think there's anything guaranteed about him getting a contract. Um, he's just going to have to play on the last year of his rookie deal if they don't get it done, and I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get it done um, unless this is something coming specifically from the Steelers that thinks they're close to getting it done and said, yeah, we, maybe you should you, you should stay out of the, some of these things. That would be a whole different story because the last thing you want to have happen is someone who's just about ready to sign a deal – have something that would then inhibit their availability for the season based on something that happened at training camp. That's the whole thought process behind it. But to me, I've I haven't been one who felt that a Deontay Johnson contract was forthcoming. I just I don't know that the Steelers are wanting to do it. I'm fine if they do, but I just don't know that they that they will. I I I'm not sold on it. Last year Yeah, they were going to do a deal with T.J. Watt where they were going to have to franchise tag him this year and do a deal with T.J. Watt. They got it done last year. Micka Fitzpatrick, I was confident they would get a deal done, you know, and and maybe use the franchise tag if they had to. Um, They got that done early. That was great. Deontay Johnson, they don't get a deal done. I don't even know if they'd use the franchise tag with him. I'm not sure. Um, A lot of that would depend on how this year played out. And I'm fine with the Steelers if they choose to just say, hey, we want to see how Deontay Johnson fits with the Pittsburgh Steelers without Ben Roethlisberger. If that's the way they want to see it, that makes sense to me. I can see it. I'm not saying they have to do it that way. I'm just saying that's a possibility. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out as training camp goes on. Um, If if things are not going well, then – with any kind of contract, then we might see a little bit of shift in his availability. So that's just some of the news. It's, it's, it's training camp. We've got to talk about these things a little bit. Um, I I know that, uh, that they mentioned some stuff from training camp with the curtain call podcast that came out on Wednesday night. Uh, Make sure you check that out if you haven't already. And uh, if you're like me, you, you might put up with me, talking here on the Steeler Stat Geek, but really you're waiting for a different Monday morning show in Jeff Hartman's Let's Ride. Or perhaps on a Thursday you're just trying to get me out of the way until we finally publish what Yen's talking about so you can listen to those guys that I'm sure they're going to have a field day with the fact that Mitch Trubisky comes out and on his on the second play – well, they—you know what—they gave him—they gave him a pass when the first play was incomplete at training camp, but when the second play was incomplete, that's when the screams came out of. Put in Kenny Pickett. <laughs> so I'm really glad Coach Tomlin on Tuesday is like, we are not going to critique every pass and every play of every practice. That's not how this this process works. And thank goodness that what do you know? The, the professionals in charge of these things know how it really needs to work. Thank you. I'm very grateful that that is the case, So, um, which is funny, which just goes to show how much people otherwise don't. Let's dive into today's topic. i uh, got some nice, fun stuff to talk about. Sometimes the answer is no. That's what I'm going... that's, that's, That's what's going on today. Sometimes the answer is, yeah, not really. Do statistics tell you everything? They don't tell you the whole story. Can statistics tell you part of the story? Yes. Are there times where statistics don't help at all? Absolutely. Even as a stat guy, I understand this. Sometimes stats don't help. And you know what we're going to find out today? Stats sometimes don't help because this is the question. I, I love this. This is from Doc M, pro, um, puts in lots of questions with me all the time. Um, his Twitter's it's at Southside Doc. Sorry, at, at Southside underscore Doc. Sorry. He says at STLr Superfan Dad. In case you're not sure, that is me. That is your Twitter. My Twitter handle. That is where you can reach out to me to ask questions. I'm still looking for great questions to have here on Stat Geek as we move through the next couple of weeks before we can get to a preseason game. He says, okay, trying for a stat geek question. Are any statistics from the preseason games predictive or have strong correlation to regular season performance? This could probably be taken as individual or group performance. I will look at that in both aspects. And I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. The, the preseason stats are not predictive. I don't put much in preseason stats because there is a context to them. There's you know, multiple things with when it comes to context with preseason stats. First, how much playing time is a player getting? Second, what is the team actually doing at that point of the game? What is their goal? If a quarterback comes in and is playing in the fourth quarter of a preseason game where the team just wants to get out of there without any injuries, they're not going to put up good numbers. Same with receivers. It's just how it's going to be. It's going to be the way the situation goes. Um, but that also could inflate some running back numbers. Also, you've got to look at ha- who the quality that the other team is looking at at that time. What, what do I mean by the quality that they're looking at at that time? Last year, the Steelers, it was actually quite weird for them because they were on a different schedule than the rest of the NFL a completely different schedule than the rest of the NFL when it came to preseason games, simply because they had an extra one because of the hall of fame game. They got the luxury of having four in the year that they went from three to four. So therefore it didn't really affect them all that much, but other than how they matched up with other teams. So when the Steelers were playing their final preseason game, against the Carolina Panthers, which they won't be doing this year. When they did that last year, it was their fourth game, but the Panthers' third game. When the Steelers were playing the Detroit Lions, that was their third game, but only the Lions' second game. They were not on the same schedule as the teams they were going against. They had games where the Steelers were not playing a lot of their ones when the other team was playing a lot of their ones. Also, you got to look at what that, what your opponent is trying to do. If they're trying to figure out who's going to be their quarterback, much like the Steelers are doing this year, you're going to have a much different dynamic of what you're going to see from that team. If you're looking at the Steelers last year, Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback and you didn't see much of Ben Roethlisberger. You saw him for a couple drives in one game and that was it. So you weren't getting everything from every team. So let's, Look at that, because part of those things is that it it just doesn't quite match up, but let's look and see if the numbers match up where i'm since I already spoiled it and said they don't i'm let's look at a team for perspective first if you look at how teams finished in the preseason last year. And what ultimately went down is, and I wish I would have looked this up to know there were two teams that only, when I'm looking at their records, only had two games. I'm wondering if there was a game that was canceled that I, that I missed or exactly what was going on. But I have the Cardinals and the Saints only with two preseason games from last year. I'm getting my information from spot from, sorry, foxsports.com because it is actually difficult to get preseason statistics. And Fox Sports happened to have them, so I rolled with it. Somewhere like pro football reference, they don't even bother with preseason statistics because they don't really tell you much. Now, last year, if I recall correctly, almost all the games were AFC versus NFC. I know the Steelers, at least, that's how they were matched up, uh, AFC versus NFC. If you look at the AFC North last year in the preseason, they did really well. Both the Ravens and the Browns were undefeated at 3-0. Then the Steelers were 3-1, and the Bengals were 1-2. So if you look at them at how they finished in the preseason, it was pretty much the exact opposite of how they finished the regular season. The Bengals were last in the preseason, first in the AFC North in the regular season. The Steelers were next to last in the preseason, they were second in the in the regular season. The Ravens and Browns, what happened with them? They were they were basically tied for first where in the AFC North they were tied for last and it just it went down to to a tiebreaker. If I recall, I know that's what it was going in there. I know the Ravens came in last place. Um but yeah, cuz they both finished 8-9 so therefore what do you know the 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 Browns and the Ravens had identical regular season and preseason records so that's just kind of how it works out so it kind of goes to show didn't tell you much there if you look at let's let's look at a couple of these divisions if you look at the AFC East they had I mean my goodness they had two teams go 3-0 in the Bills and Patriots and th- that's how it worked out for the regular season but then the Jets were 2-0-1 and the Dolphins were 2 and one so just Tells, tells a few things. It was the Colts who went undefeated in the, in the preseason last year in the FC South when they fell flat on their face at, um, in Week 18 last year. And Week 17 when they were eight-point favorites at home over the Raiders, and they lost that one as well. All they had to do was win one, win one of those two games, and they were in the, in the postseason. They lost them both. Um, let's see, eight-point favorites and 15-point favorites. Ouch. Anyway, uh, the Titans and Texans were both two and one. They ended up much further apart, um, and the Jags were one and two. And the AFC West—I mean, the Chiefs and Broncos were both three and zero, oh, with the Raiders two and one, and the Chargers one and two. It doesn't really tell you much of anything. I, what I think is hilarious is the the only NFC East team that won a preseason game was the Washington Football Team. They won one. Everyone else went 0 for – well, the Eagles had a tie. Um, so that kind of told you about that division. In the AFC North – sorry, NFC North, the only team that won any games in the preseason was the Bears. They won two of them. The Packers, the number one seed in the NFC, 0-3. So it kind of goes to show you there, Tampa was only 1-2 um, in the NFC South. And here's one that you might want to remember, the L.A. Rams. Super Bowl champions, zero and three in the preseason. Super Bowl champions, zero and three the preseason. A lot of times, that's the case that the team that wins. I I I, I can't remember the stats. I'd have to go back and look at it. I should have looked this one up, but I didn't think about it until just now. Is that for the longest time, a team that went undefeated in the in the preseason did not win the Super Bowl. I, I know that was just kind of how it was going for a while. So. It, that doesn't really tell you anything, but here's something that just just in terms of as a reminder when it comes to just the team standings, if you hear me rustling my papers now. And that is, think back to the 2017 Browns, you know, a team that went 0-16. What did they do in the preseason? They went 4-0. Look back at the 2008 Lions, another team that went 0-16. What did they do in the preseason? They went 4-0. So as it goes to show, team-wise and wins and everything in the preseason, that doesn't tell you anything. So that's great. What about some individual stats? Well, I'm just going to throw some things out there. It's hard to get good individual stats because so many of the players are not playing much, and that's just how it works. For example, who was the number one player in – not player, number one quarterback when it came to passing yards in the preseason last year. There was a player who completed 63 of 92 attempts for 593 yards, was the most preseason yards in three games. That was one Nate Peterman. I'm pretty sure that's, well, I'm sorry, N. Peterman. I shouldn't assume that I know the the correct first names because according to Fox Sports, they only have first initials uh, with the Chicago Bears last year. That's something to remember who threw the most passing touchdowns in the preseason last year. That would be Tyler Huntley. He had four passing touchdowns for the Ravens in the preseason last year. So how did that translate to the regular season? Well, Tyler Huntley started four games for the Ravens. He was one in three. He had a three point win over the bears and then he lost to green Bay, the Rams and the Steelers. Um, that's just, you know, and how many touchdowns did he throw in the regular season when he appeared in what did he appeared in seven games, he threw three touchdowns. So he had more touchdowns in the preseason than he did in the regular season, even though we had, he started more, more games, in the regular season than he had in the preseason, even played in the preseason, just something to remember as, as you go along there. So that's some of the passing stats. If you look at, let's say the rushing stats. Who was, a, who was the player that rushed for the most yards, as I'm trying to make sure that uh, Fox Sports is working properly here? Rushing for the most yards was – I'm glad it's just an initial because I know I would mess up his first name really bad. It was R. Stevenson for the New England Patriots. It's Ramondre, I think if I said that right, um, Stevenson for for the Patriots. He had – five rushing touchdowns in the preseason in 2021 on 30 attempts and 216 yards. And how did he do in the regular season? Not terrible. Not terrible. He played in 12 games, started two. He had five rushing touchdowns in the regular season. He had 606 yards on 133 attempts. So so not terrible, but it's not like he was anywhere close to tearing up the NFL with what he was doing. In the in the preseason, so he had the most yards, and I'm pretty sure he also had the most had the most rushing touchdowns, which he did with five. Uh, the next close closest was three. But if you look at some of these some of these names like Stevenson from New England, Sargent from Jacksonville, Taylor from New England, Hasty from San Francisco, McCrary from Baltimore, those are the names of the players that had the most rushing yards in last year's preseason. So it just goes to show you, it is so difficult to figure it out. Now, if you want to say, oh, well, why aren't you looking at what some of the regular starters did in the preseason? They all didn't play the same amount. That's why it's so difficult to figure it out. Because if you look at receiving yards, um, M. Taylor from Green Bay had 185 receiving yards in the preseason for, for, for the Packers. Then you had a T Marshall junior from Carolina that was next. Okay. Those are, those are the names that you are getting uh, when it comes, when it, when it comes to that. The player who had the most receiving touchdowns, I know I'm going to mess up, mess up his name. It's Jesper Horstead or Horsted. Uh, I'm not sure. He's a wide receiver. Um, played for Chicago last year. Now he's with the Raiders this coming year. In the preseason, he had three receiving touchdowns on, on only six receptions and had 113 yards. He had 113 receiving yards, and he had 113 yards after the catch. Find that kind of interesting. Um, but when then you go ahead and, and look at his 2021 season with the, with the Bears, he had two receptions for 21 yards. That was his season with the Bears. Now, I will tell you this. Those two receptions were both touchdowns. He had two touchdowns um, on both of his receptions. He was only targeted three times. So it's really difficult to take those stats that you get from the preseason. Think of in 2019 with uh, Tuzar Skipper and, oh, he had more sacks in the preseason than any other player in the NFL look at how it equated moving forward and his playing time and ended up in New York and then back with Pittsburgh and then all kinds of crazy stuff so it's nice to to look at the preseason but stats are not the tool you really have to put everything in context it's all about the eye test. It's all about the film. That's what makes our Vertex series so great that Jeffrey Benedict and I do, where he does the film and I do the stats, which well, you can look at it together. Because in the preseason, if you're trying to really look forward, it is, it is so hard to say, oh, well, would this? can it help predict what's going to happen in the regular season? No. The team records? No. Individual stats? No, you want to kind of look and see what a player does on a play-by-play basis. Because if they're doing that well, they're probably not going to get that many plays to really stand out even more when it comes to all those statistics. So that's just what I would say when it comes to stats in the preseason. Put them in context. We've gone way over in the first half, so we're going to take a short break and come back for the short second half, where we're going to look at some possible records that the Steelers could be setting in 2022. So stick around. We'll be right back. We are back, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, and we are rolling on just like the 2022 training camp slash preseason is rolling on with the Steelers. Let's get going here. This is what we're going to look at here in the second half. This is actually going to highlight an article that will be seen soon at Behind the Steel Curtain. I'm not exactly sure when it's going to be published, but at the time that I am recording... There, it has not been published yet on Behind the Still Curtain. It will not be published before Thursday morning when this podcast first gets released. Now, depending on when you're listening to it, this article could already be out. I don't have an exact time, but this is not my article. This is not mine. I am highlighting an article by another author dot BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, and that is one Bradley Locker. If you've caught Bradley um, on any of his articles there, he's been on a few podcasts. He's, he was uh, on with Jeff on a Let's Ride on a Monday morning conversation. He was on uh, a Scobro show. He was on a curtain call. I'm pretty sure he was on a curtain call. Um, but he did an article about some possible – Uh, records that could be broken in 2022. So I'm going to highlight this article and throw in a couple things on my own, because the first one to look at is one Trent Jordan Watt and his possible sack records. Now, would it be great to see TJ Watt break his own single season record for sacks, which would then put him all alone as the, as the leader in the NFL for the number of sacks in a season? That would be great. But right now he's at 22 and a half. It's his best season, and that is tied with Michael Strahan. Do I look for that to happen this year? It could. I'm not going to bet on it. Um... I just want T.J. Watt to have a strong gear. I don't want him to have to be the only guy getting home for sacks. But we'll see as that goes on if that's more of a possibility. So let's look more at the possibilities that you can have with T.J. Watt. And what Bradley highlighted is how close he is to setting this franchise record in sacks. And that is he has 72 sacks where the record is James Harrison at 80.5. So T.J. Watt needs nine sacks to break the record. Bradley did a great job with this because he estimated right when I estimated to where I think T.J. Watt could possibly break this record. I did it when I was highlighting. This is under one of the, on under, uh, one of the thirty scenarios in thirty days prediction that Jeff Hartman and I did, where I did one about T.J. Watt breaking the sack record. I said, look for him. Does he? The question is, does he do it by the bye week? Well, what Bradley lines out is that is that it, it would be between weeks 8 and 10. Is it going to be the week before the bye, the week after the bye? Based on, he did it based on T.J. Watt's point nine three five sacks per game. When would he get to nine? That's when he looked for him to do it, and he even put out some of the possible matchups he could be going against. So he also highlighted that T.J. Watt, he got 72 sacks in 77 games where James Harrison, it took him 177 games. So T.J. Watt's really going fast with that. Now, there are other records that T.J. Watt could set. For example, going back as far back as pro football reference has retroactively done sacks as an individual statistic. Let me pause there to explain that. Sacks did not become an individual statistic until 1982. Pro Football Reference has gone back and actually attributed sacks to players to have a better historical feel for sacks. They've gone all the way back to 1962 at this time. The only player who has had sacks where they've hit 20 sacks a season in two consecutive years is Deacon Jones for the Rams. Did it in 1967 and 1968. So if T.J. Watt can get to 20 sacks, he would be the only other NFL player other than Deacon Jones to get 20 sacks in a season in back-to-back years. There's a record I would like to see him go for. Here's another one. Since sacks became an individual statistic in 1982, I'm not going to go back and look at the retroactive ones right now because it adds in a few more, but not many. Not many. I think it just adds in Jones and maybe a couple other Um, that are where TJ Watt is now. And you look at the number of players that had 15 or more sacks in consecutive years. Since 1982, the record is three straight years by Reggie White. Reggie White did it in three straight years. Now, the thing is, I keep saying 82. It's actually 83 when they became in, because 82 was the strike season, so that didn't count. Um, whenever that started with 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 the sacks, but Reggie White did it in three consecutive years. TJ Watt was half sack shy in 2019 of being three consecutive years because he was 14 and a half, then 15, then 22 and a half. So if TJ Watt gets 16, I'm sorry, 15 or more sacks this year then he will tie Reggie White for having the most consecutive years of 15 or more sacks since they became an unofficial individual statistic. So that's another record he could be going for. So that's pretty interesting. Just some more stuff there with TJ Watt with that. Some of the other ones that Bradley highlighted. Um, he was looking at Pat Freremuth as as a tight end, looking at, what he what what he's done in his first two seasons last year he had 60 receptions for 147 yards so pat firmuth needs 16 catches to break the steelers record for catches by a tight end in their first two years that would be eric greens mark of 1970 uh, in, in of 75 in 1991 now, I'm pretty sure that the way Bradley was looking at this is this is someone who started their career with the Steelers. So if they're someone that came in like Eric Ebron did after he already had a career with another team, I don't think that counted, but still, it, that might even count. I don't even know if he went that far or not. But uh, in their first two years in the league with the Steelers, that all he needs is 16 catches, and he will set the record for the most in two years. Um so that's but that would be a Steelers record, not looking like it's going to be an NFL record because that would take 144 catches. That was done by Keith Jackson. Man, he would he would need 84. He'd need 85 to break that. That would that'd be a, asking a lot of a tight end. Not impossible, but more of a long shot. So it looks like Fram Ruth will set that one. Then if you look at yards in the first two years by a tight end, um he would need, um, where, where is it? Uh, he needs basically almost what he had this year, 473 yards. Um, it is what he would need for this year, less than what he even had last year. So that looks like that's something firm can do, but doesn't look like he's going to get the yards because that was set by Mike Ditka. Um, when it comes to the NFL of 1,980 yards. And that would be an awful lot to ask a tight end to have 1,500 yards in his second year. But that's some things that Pat Fred with, he can set some franchise records when it comes to first two years as a tight end. Now you could look at Najee Harris as his first two years as a running back with the, with the Steelers and across the NFL. So what he would need who holds that for the first two years right now is Le'Veon Bell. He had 2,221 yards. So Harris has to hit 1,022 yards this year to, to have enough to pass Le'Veon Bell because he had 1200 yards last year. Um, so that's what Harris would need in order to set that record. Uh don't think it's going to an NFL record cuz that was Eric Dickerson had almost 4000 yards in his first two seasons, 3913. That's just crazy. But these are some great numbers that Bradley brought out here. Um then there but with Bell there's there's something else. Um then there's scrimmage yards. Um, Najee Harris would need 1800 yards to move and move ahead of bell in scrimmage yards. Meaning if you have his rushing and receiving yards, he would need that in order to break that two year mark for Le'Veon bell. So the rushing one within reach scrimmage yards, it's there maybe, um, for the NFL, not so much. Bradley also broke down this one. He did Deontay Johnson with his, uh, his receiving yards and, and whatnot in four years, in his first four years as as a member of the Steelers. And he's got, so far, Johnson has 2,764 receiving yards through three seasons. Now, all these are regular season numbers just because that's the way that the NFL does their records. He's third. He's third in Steelers history in the first four years. He needs 1,279 yards to... Um, to to go for the most. Now, that's more than he's had, but not much more than he's had before. 1,279, that's that's something that would be attainable for Dante Johnson. That's what he would, he would need. So the NFL record, he's not anywhere close to that because that's 5,512 receiving yards in the first four seasons. That was by Michael Thomas. And there's someone else who's on a better track to, to break that, and that's Justin Jefferson. Um, here's one Chris Boswell franchise scoring Boswell is now sitting in third place all time with the Steelers in scoring with 777 points. He needs 143 points to move into second place, which would move him ahead of Jeff Reed. So Boswell, he had 135 points last year, he had 142 in his best year in 2017. So, in other words, Boz just needs to be one point better than his best year with the Steelers. And he'll move into second. Now, in order to move into first, he would need 1,343 total. Um, so that's Gary Anderson. So Boz would have to be, you know, sticking around for more years beyond this year, of course. Um, but he so. If, it's that's one of those records that's out there, but it's not like he could get it this year. But this year he could move into second place, which would be um a, a good thing. Kenny P he did Kenny Pickett. He did some stats with Kenny Pickett, uh that I'm not going to get into about what he could do um with rookie passing statistics. I'm not going there because we don't know if it's going to be Kenny Pickett this year or not. So uh then he did to 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 finish it off. I'm just gonna say this that he looked at What about the number of players with 800 receiving yards? Uh, He wanted to do a a team stat towards the end. And the Steelers have had one time in league history, or or in franchise history, sorry, where they had three players that had 800 receiving yards. That was in 2020, when it was Juju Schuster, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool. That's also a, a different year because the Steelers had five players with five receiving touchdowns. That was that was a nifty stat then as well. So the question is, can the Steelers get three players with 800 receiving yards? That's one to look at as the season goes on. Don't know exactly how it could be. You could throw Frermuth into there for 800. Uh, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, uh, rookie George Pickens all those different things, it's going to, that's another interesting one to see. So that's just, I thought that was a very intriguing article behind the steel curtain. I didn't go into everything that he had, but I tried to highlight it as best that I could. Those are some good numbers to look at for the Steelers moving forward. So I didn't want to completely disappoint you telling you how the preseason, you know, I, I did give numbers of why it really wasn't the best measurement to do it. So there we go. Hey, I'm still looking for questions at stlrsuperfandad on Twitter. It's stlrsuperfandad at gmail.com for email. Fire out any questions that you want to know. I know a, right now a lot of things are looking forward in with, to the 2022 season. It's, it's really hard sometimes to do predictive stats um, or, and things of that nature. But, hey, I'll answer any question you have out there if I can. Even this one where the answer was, no, you can't really determine anything going on between – between the preseason and to, to to predict the regular season. so But want to thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying uh, the Steelers kicking things off at training camp. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're someone who follows the team at this time of year. There's still going to be some people that they're not going to start following the Steelers until they come on the field for preseason game one or even when the regular season starts. We know. We'll pick them up as we go along. But thank you for hanging throughout the offseason. And as I always say, thanks for geeking out.